Endometriosis is the leading cause of infertility. It is a very painful condition that can take up to 10 years to get proper diagnosis. My guest, Alessa Chavez, is no stranger to it. In fact, Alessa was diagnosed with endometriosis and was told that there is nothing she can do. She is just going to have to deal with it. She, of course, didn't like that answer. So she ended up being becoming a nutritional therapy practitioner, healed her body naturally, and now has practically pain-free periods, which is a dream for anyone struggling with this condition. And today, she shares with us her story, how she did it, and what you can do if you are someone who has endometriosis. So without further ado, let's go. You're listening to Feel Better, Be Better, a podcast that helps women like you understand your female body better, balance your hormones naturally, and develop a healthy mindset. I'm your host, Dinara. I'm a certified women's health coach and a TEDx speaker, and I'm on a mission to help you make sense of your health. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Feel Better, Be Better. I have a very exciting guest today. Her name is Alisa, and Alisa is going to talk to us about condition called endometriosis. If you're familiar with endometriosis, I think you will find this conversation very insightful. And if you're not familiar with endometriosis, I'm actually going to get Alyssa to describe exactly the condition so that way you can understand and maybe see if you experience some of those symptoms. So without a further ado, hello, Alyssa, welcome. Hi, Dinara. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, I'm so glad you, you're you joining me today. I like to start this podcast just to kind of understand how you ended up coming into this work. What is your story? So tell us a little bit about who is Alyssa? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this all started with my own health journey. So about six years ago was when I was first unofficially diagnosed, I suppose, with endometriosis because mm-hmm. you actually need an excision or a laparoscopic surgery to be officially diagnosed, which just happened for me almost a year ago now. Mm. But prior to that, I was experiencing a lot of period pain, just debilitating, couldn't stand up straight, couldn't walk up the stairs of my house, couldn't go to work, certainly. Mm. And just, it was just, it really affecting my life in that way. And then alongside that, my husband and I were trying to start a family and we're really struggling with that. And that's actually the part that ended up bringing me in to see a doctor initially, because I think this is a huge thing is that period pain is so very normalized in our society that even though I was having this really intense pain, it never actually occurred to me to go see somebody about it because everybody just told me like, oh, everybody has painful periods. So it wasn't until we were struggling to start a family that I actually started to go and seek help. Mm -hmm. And through that process, I had a doctor was doing an ultrasound and it just so happened that in my case, this isn't going to be the case for everybody, but in my case, I had a large endometrioma on my ovary that they were able to see very easily on an ultrasound, Mm -hmm. at least suspecting that that's what that was. And so that kind of began my whole journey. I ended up, the doctor I had gone to at the time recommended going straight into IVF, making it sound like there wasn't any alternative. So we did that along with all these just crazy medications. I was on a medication that 
put me into a mini menopause when I was, oh, wow. I would have been about 27, 28 years old, you know, going on and off birth control that just made me <laughs> feel a little crazy and all over the place. And went through all of this. We did ended up having a successful round of IVF the second time, which then ended up in a miscarriage at the end of that. Mm-hmm. And that was my enough is enough moment, my rock bottom, if you will, where I just thought, you know what, there has to be a better answer to this. There has to be more that I can do because I had even asked my doctor at one point in time, after our first round of IVF that failed, I, I even asked her, I said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm very holistically minded person. I would love if there's anything that I can do to kind of help this process along, you know, is there anything you would recommend as far as nutrition or supplements mm-hmm. or anything like that, that I can do. And she kind of just brushed it off and said, Oh yeah, you know, whatever you think might help. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just said, mm, that just doesn't seem right to me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't at the time didn't know a ton about it other than I just knew intuitively that there had to be more. And so I started just doing research on my own at first. I started reading other people's experiences and doing some research on the connections between nutrition and endometriosis. Initially, I started making some dietary changes and slowly but surely my health did start to improve just with the little things I was doing. And I'm one of those people that if I learn one little nugget, then I just have to (laughs) learn more. So I ended up going into to multiple training programs where I could actually really dig in and learn the nutrition pieces. And that made me want to learn more about hormones and gut health. So I ended up taking some separate programs to learn more about all of that stuff and how to piece all of that together. And basically I just, over the time, of course, I was working on my own health and saw some immense improvement in things that I didn't even realize were related or connected in any way. Like I had no idea at first that, that my gut health was in any way related to period pain that I was experiencing. That just seems like they're completely unrelated, which (laughs) turns out they're very much not. And yeah, I'm at the point now where I have periods that are pretty much entirely Mm pain-free, which is amazing. I, I have really no digestive symptoms anymore where I started out having just some really crazy bloating. I was having a lot of kind of IBS-like symptoms. I was never officially diagnosed with that, but it was it was definitely in that realm yeah. where I was just having uncomfortable bowel movements and, and very frequent and loose bowel movements and a lot of food sensitivities happening and, and acne breakouts was a huge thing. <laughs> and really all of that has, has just gone away over time, which has been just amazing. And I'm very thankful that I've learned all that I have. And so now I've just made it my personal life mission to share that and help other women along their journeys as well. That's amazing. And I do think that for those women that experience endometriosis, hearing the fact that you don't have any pain now is almost like, how is that possible? Which is just such a common symptom of endo. And you and I have a slightly similar stories. I didn't have endometriosis, but I did have periods that were super painful to the point that I had to call an ambulance because I thought it was my appendix that ruptured. And I've sort of shared this story both on Instagram and on TikTok and both places. People were like, are you sure it's not endometriosis? And I know it's not just because it was so much short lasting and I never had any other symptoms nor have I been diagnosed. But yeah, it's such a prominent symptom of endo is to actually have that pain. 
And of course, having the messaging that women are not, our period pain is just sort of part of the deal, really is not doing us any service when it comes to taking care of our bodies. That's yeah. absolutely true. So kind of want to take a step back a little bit. And will you tell us what is endometriosis? Yeah. So what endometriosis really is, is there's tissue that is similar to the lining of the endometrial lining in your uterus. So it's not exactly the same. Some people will say it's actually the endometrial lining. It's not exactly the same, but it is very similar tissue and it ends up growing in other places, usually within your abdomen. It can grow in places like on your ovaries, on your uterus, in your bowels. Appendix is another very common place, even as far away as your diaphragm or your liver. There's even crazy stories of it being found in people's eyeballs and, and different, wow. different things like that. But typically it's within your abdomen. And it just, it causes a lot of pain because they, those growths can get very large and they can also really dig into the tissue. That's a type of endometriosis called deep infiltrating endometriosis, where it kind of ingrains itself into your tissues. Mm -hmm. And it also can cause adhesions that can cause organs in your body to stick together. So for example, when I had my surgery, they actually found my ovaries were stuck to my uterus and my bowels were stuck to my uterus. And my bladder was also stuck to my uterus. Like everything was just kind of this big ball of organs stuck together. And that's a very common thing too, that can contribute to some of the pain and symptoms like that. So for me, I, that's where I found that, yeah, I'm very holistically minded and working with all the nutrition and gut health and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, it is possible that you will need surgery also to kind of unstick the organs and things like that, that may not just be able to resolve themselves mm-hmm. through the, the holistic side of things. That's really what it's all about. I didn't actually know that the organs would stick together. That's crazy. And what is the reason for that tissue growth? Was there, is there something that was happening, the reason for it? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of debate on that in the world right now. So I don't know that I can give a definitive answer. There's multiple theories out there. I don't know that the world of science knows exactly why this happens yet. But what I have learned and what seems to really connect through the work that I do is that there definitely seems to be an immune system component happening there. Mm -hmm. Um, Endometriosis is not technically considered an autoimmune disease, but it does have some similar components to it. And there is definitely a connection between working with the immune system and helping to support the function of the immune system and slowing or stopping the progression of endometriosis. So basically they think that everybody has this tissue ends up in their body, but your immune system typically is able to kind of clean it up and clear it out. And so most people don't ever feel affected by it, mm-hmm. where with endometriosis, the tissue kind of just builds up and continues to grow and, and progress. And the immune system is kind of just either not doing its job because it's under-functioning immune system, because yeah. maybe it's too busy working on other things, yeah. uh, or it's just going going haywire in other ways. So Yeah. And that's where the big connection with the gut health comes in, because something that a lot of people don't realize is that about 70 to 80% of your immune system lives in your gut. Mm -hmm. So if that's a big component, then working on your gut health can actually be a huge piece of healing with that. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the, you on Instagram, your name is Endobelly. So it's a lot connected to that. Will you tell us a little bit about what is Endobelly? Yeah, so Endobelly is a very common symptom that a lot of people with endometriosis experience. Mm -hmm. And basically, it typically refers to the bloating that women experience because for some people, it's relatively minor, but for some people, they get bloating that just really goes crazy and makes them look and feel like they're five or six months pregnant. I mean, you can Google pictures and find tons of pictures out there of women with these huge bellies Mm -hmm. and really it's bloating. (laughs) To me, when I talk endobelly, I also connect that with the general abdominal pain and discomfort, other digestive symptoms like IBS symptoms is another thing that's really common, either diarrhea or constipation or a combination of those Mm -hmm. and and other abdominal and digestive discomforts. I kind of roll that all into that endo belly because it's all in your belly and it's all uncomfortable. So yeah. And you say IBS kind of similar symptoms. Is it actually IBS and endobelly or is it just the symptoms of endometriosis that really show up as IBS? It can be. A lot of women with endometriosis also have IBS. Okay. That's a very common connection. There's also a lot of misdiagnosis there though, where women Mm -hmm. might go in for digestive symptoms. Maybe they'll go and see a GI doctor and will be diagnosed with IBS where it actually is really the endometriosis that's causing the issues, but it wasn't found because it's, you know, they went to a GI doctor, but it certainly can be both. I mean, it's not uncommon to have both diagnoses. Yeah. Okay. That, that definitely makes sense. And often in my experience, when I work with women that have IBS, it usually gets triggered by stress. What is stress endo? What's the connection there? Oh, that's a huge connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Stress just impacts our body in so many ways. It's one of those things. It's such an underrated thing to look at. I think a lot of health practitioners tend to really focus on the physiological pieces, right? How does your physical body work? But the truth is that the truth is that so much of your physical body just won't work correctly or, or can't function to its optimum level when there's stress happening. And so many of us live with such high levels of stress, but the thing is that stress ends up having this big downstream effect on our body. So even things like, since we're talking about the endo belly and gut health and things like that, well, your health of your brain and your stress levels are actually the very, very first thing that I talk about and look at with my clients who are struggling with that stuff, because even just trying to digest properly, a lot of people don't realize that your body actually has to be in a restful state. I like to use the phrase rest to digest (laughs) because you're, it's, it's that whole downstream effect, right? If your body's in that restful state, it allow, it kind of calms your nervous system and that allows your body to trigger the pieces that it needs to trigger in order to physically digest food. Whereas if you're in a really stressed state, your body can't really digest properly. And it affects so many other things too. I mean, stress has huge impacts too on hormones, on fertility, even people who have things like irregular cycles, or, you know, maybe are sometimes will have a really long cycle or a really short cycle, or they find that they're not ovulating if they're kind of looking for that and testing for that or, or different things like that. 
stress again is the first piece that I look at because it just very heavily affects your function of your hormones, even your body's ability to create hormones. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, your body is going to prioritize basically what it needs to survive. So if your body thinks that it's in this really stressful state, (laughs) it's going to prioritize just survival. Yeah. It's not going to prioritize things like reproduction and, you know, the things that it considers to be like more of a, I don't know, next step kind of thing yeah totally something that we don't really talk about often is our hypothalamus which is basically the executive function of our body and it will naturally react to stress and being like okay this is dangerous but it's interesting i haven't heard it directly connected to endometriosis of course as of what is the thing you're describing and in the female body everything is so connected that there is definitely that relationship which is super interesting so you certainly alluded to the gut and endo and like the bloating and the rest of it but what does gut health what's its actual role when it comes to endometriosis and yeah what's your general approach to it yeah so we talked earlier about how your immune system lies mostly in your gut right and endometriosis definitely has an immune component going on Mm -hmm. so a lot of what happens actually is that when there's some sort of stress going on in your gut, and that can come from things like there's a, there's a thing called leaky gut, which is, I know, a kind of a buzzword that's been thrown around, but basically what that is, is that the, the lining of your intestines, which is only about one cell thick, which is pretty crazy. Pretty thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those, the tight junctions in between those cells can become loosened or damaged and that can allow large food particles to pass through and you know end up connecting with the the bloodstream and the immune system on the other side of that barrier and that can end up causing all of these food sensitivities and things like that because your body's going wait a minute this is foreign this does not belong in my body and what happens is when that damage starts to occur, it just becomes a slippery slope where one thing leads to another, you know, you start to develop sensitivity to one food and that can just snowball into loosening up those tight junctions even more and can allow other large food particles in. And then your body develops more food sensitivities. And all of this is putting a lot of stress and a lot of work on your immune system. So Mm -hmm. basically you want to think of your immune system kind of like an army, right? And it only has so many troops to send in at one time. And so if all of those troops are really busy with all these foreign food particles that it's sensing in the gut, then it's going to likely be too busy to do things like take on that, you know, endometrial tissue that's growing in in parts of your body that it shouldn't. When we're working on gut health, that's a a big piece of it is is reducing the stress in your gut and helping to heal your gut so that we can heal from some of these food sensitivities and things like that. And along the same lines, another thing that happens a lot is that within your gut, you get an overgrowth of various types of pathogens. So that can be things like bacterial overgrowth or parasites or fungi. And some of those can actually cause things like bloating and other gut symptoms in and of themselves. Yeah. So, you know, some people who are experiencing the the really crazy bloating may have, you know, a bacterial overgrowth that they didn't know about, and that can be directly causing that bloating. But then that stuff also impacts your immune system again, because your immune system is going, oh, wait, there's all this stuff in here 
that we don't like <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's not part of us. And, and so it's just continually reacting and that causes this inflammation, right? Which inflammation is not necessarily in and of itself a bad thing because we actually need inflammation. Like if you cut your finger and it starts to get kind of red and puffy, that's your immune system creating that inflammation that actually helps to heal that. So you need that. But what happens in situations like, like those two things I was talking about, the leaky gut or the overgrowth of different pathogens or all of the above is often what happens. The, the immune system just kind of, ah, can't keep up. (laughs) There's inflammation all the time. That's when we call it chronic inflammation, Mm -hmm. when it's just all the time and systemic inflammation where it starts to just be affecting everything in your body. And it's one of those things too, where, okay, we're talking in your digestive system with all of this stuff, but your digestive system doesn't just function entirely separately from the rest of your body, right? All of the pieces of our body kind of connect with and rely on each other. And so it, it ends up impacting other, other parts, other pieces. And that's why we have to look at your body as the full body, right? Not just the individual mm-hmm. little pieces. So that's really where that big connection comes in. And that's what I do a lot with my clients as we work on figuring out exactly what's going on in there, how we can heal that so that your, your immune system and the inflammation can calm down and that can end up resulting in definitely the digestive health feeling better, you know, reducing the bloating and, and digestive symptoms, but it can also result in experiencing a lot less pain because the inflammation is lowered. We didn't really talk about fatigue. That's another symptom that's huge with endometriosis, just kind of that chronic fatigue. And fatigue is another big symptom of that inflammation. Uh, You know, think about like if you get sick, right? I know that's something I always experience if I'm starting to get a little cold. And that's another another moment where your immune system is going to kick in. One of the first things that you feel is really tired because Mm-hmm. Your immune system is just taking a lot of the Oops. taking of the work of to fight yeah. that. Yeah, but if your if your body's doing that all the time, then you kind of just feel tired all the time, and that's something that can be definitely reduced a lot with working on that gut health stuff too. That's interesting. And one of the things that so you mentioned fatigue, we mentioned period pain, a lot of digestive issues. What are the other common symptoms that are sort of familiar to endometriosis? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such an interesting thing because it can be such yeah. a broad spectrum. I mean, those three things are probably the top of the list. Yeah, The pain can bleed into other areas too. Like a lot of women also experience things like back pain mm-hmm. or pain with intercourse or pain with bowel movements, pain with urination. There's a lot of urinary symptoms that can be a part of it too, yeah. which can be related either to have having endometrial growths on your bladder or infections mm-hmm. and things like that. Definitely infertility is a very common symptom of endometriosis mm-hmm. as well. That a lot of women like me don't realize that they have it until they okay. start to, to struggle with that. People will experience things like even nerve pain and and leg pain. And I think I mentioned back pain already. So it just can show up in a lot of different areas for different people. And with all of this spectrum of symptoms, knowing that they have endometriosis, what are more sort of practical ways? How would you approach it? I know you mentioned stress management, but of course, that's such a broad definition. But what are some of the more practical examples that you can give us for those that are experiencing it at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So definitely the stress management can show up in many different ways for different people. I mean, even things like taking time to 
take some deep breaths, you know, meditation, mm -hmm. yoga, going on walks, spending time in nature. I mean, there's so many things that you can do to help to just feel more at ease in your life. And I think particularly when you're going through a chronic illness, that part is really important, but there's other things you can do too, just even on your own to help yourself if you're struggling with this stuff. And for me, a large piece of that too, is the nutrition piece. What are you feeding yourself? Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, that the tricky part with this, of course, is that people want there to be like one, this is the diet you should eat with endometriosis. And right. it's, it's unfortunately not that simple because our bodies are all just so unique and different. And even though you may be struggling with the same general symptoms and the same mm -hmm. you know, disease going on in your body, it doesn't necessarily mean the exact same foods will be the best for everybody. Mm -hmm. But there are certain principles that we all can follow that are going to be beneficial for everybody. So the biggest thing when it comes to your diet is definitely going to be reducing or even eliminating processed foods from your life. Mm -hmm. And really just focusing on eating whole foods. So processed foods, we're talking anything that comes in a package that has a list of ingredients, right? Yeah. Whole foods, we're talking about things that actually grow in nature. So that's going to be your, you know, your fruits and veggies, your, your whole food sources of protein, your meat, your eggs, dairy can be good or bad, depending mm -hmm. on your own unique body. But, you know, there's definitely a lot of variance in there because even within the world of fruit and veggies, not everybody can tolerate everything, but yeah. focusing on that more than anything is going to be huge, especially if that's something that you haven't really done before. I know I considered myself previously a pretty healthy eater. At least yeah. that's what I thought. <laughs> mm -hmm. But as I started learning more and more and realizing like, okay, you know, I, I kind of do eat a lot of processed foods. Yeah. Working and eliminating that can be huge. And a big part of that is that the processed foods tend to contain definitely a lot of sugar, which... <laughs> Sugar can be very inflammatory and but also chemicals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. The chemical chemicals are huge. I mean, if you look at the list of ingredients and you don't know what an ingredient is, it's probably some kind of chemical. Yeah. And, and then there's also the, the oils that they use in those foods. That's something that I think a lot of people don't realize or think about most of the packaged foods that we eat contain vegetable oils of some kind or another. So any, any kind of vegetable oil, if it's, it, if it just says vegetable oil or hydrogenated vegetable oil or soybean oil, or even yeah. the ones that are considered healthier, like sunflower and safflower oil, it's all in that vegetable oil category. And those vegetable oils also really contribute to inflammation in your body. So if that's something that you're working on trying to reduce, which if you're having, if you're struggling with endometriosis or even just period pain in general, even if it's not endometriosis, you know, reducing those vegetable oils is huge. And then replacing that with some of those oils and fats that are going to be great for your body. Like the omega threes are, are one that I really try to focus on more than anything. So that can definitely be taken in, in supplemental form, you know, a high quality omega three supplement, but also even just incorporating foods that are high in that in your diet. So that's going to be things like salmon, other kinds of fish like mackerel and herring, sardines. I know not everybody loves those, but yeah. <laughs> they are high in omega-3s, but there's also plant sources like hemp hearts, walnuts, chia seeds, flax seeds. There's all kinds of foods out there that you can just start to incorporate into your weekly diet, you know, meal plans. Yeah. And that can make a huge difference. Just that balancing out the, the, you know, types of fats that you have in your diet can be huge for people. 
And also just realizing how quickly the changes can happen. Like sometimes I work with women and within a month or two cycles, they would arrive for the pain-free period. And it's like, I've never had that before. And it's just to realize just how much our diet really plays into it and just how much it really creates those things and just how quickly it would really work. Because at the end of the day, your body wants to be in homeostasis. It wants to be healthy. So it'll always try to push it. So our job is just to find what works for us and sort of adapt those things and work at it until it works because it will work. There's a lot of evidence out there like yourself, like me, other women who have cured themselves naturally and we do, and it is, it is possible once you understand your body. Absolutely. So true. And what, like if somebody just got diagnosed with endometriosis, of course it can be any diagnosis would be like, just shocking always because a lot of thoughts come up, a lot of emotions come up when that happens. What would you say to a woman that maybe just been recently diagnosed? First of all, I would say it's not a life sentence. (laughs) The thing that was really scary to me when I first was diagnosed, because I I had never even really, I'd heard of it, but I didn't really know anything about it. It was kind of a brand new term to me. So the first thing I wanted to know, okay, is it life-threatening? No. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. And like, how do I get rid of this basically? And I was told by the doctors like, oh, well, you're just going to have it for life. Like it might Mm -hmm. go away when you hit menopause. You know, I was in my late twenties when I (laughs) was diagnosed, I'm like, menopause is, is a long way away. So, uh, Mm -hmm. and it, for some women, it doesn't even go away then. So that, that was the huge piece that I've learned along the way is that, you know, okay, it may not technically go away, but there's so much that you can do to support your body. And to me, that was very empowering. You know, I hear a lot of talk out there you know, when I'm on social media and in little groups and things like that, where I hear people chat and I hear a lot of talk about like, oh, this isn't your fault. You didn't cause it, which is absolutely true. Like I'm, I'm certainly not going to go out there and say, this yeah. is your fault that you have. <laughs> but I, I think there's a fine line between blame and empowerment, right? Yeah. Because I could sit there and say, oh, well, you know, I wasn't eating very well before my diagnosis and that's why this happened. And that's why I went through all this pain. But at the end of the day, there's just no point in talking about that anyway, because that Mm -hmm. time has come and gone. I can't, who knows if it would have been possible if I had changed things earlier that I could have avoided that, who knows, right? Mm -hmm. But what I can do and what we all can do moving forward is just feel empowered that like, okay, I have this diagnosis, but what can I do to help to now support my body from where it is today in this moment and just Mm -hmm. look forward to the future and believe that your body can heal and can get to that place that, that you want to be and live the life that you want to live. Yeah. And I think that that's huge because it makes you feel instead of feeling, you know, maybe depressed or anxious or sad about the whole situation or frustrated, whatever those emotions may be, it can allow you to get to a place of hopefulness and, you know, just generally feeling better about the whole situation. And I think that that's really important for people. I agree completely. And it's also taking that self-responsibility and just living with it. That is certainly not the fact that it's definitely not my fault. It wasn't sent to me by some special powers, but actually, okay, this has happened. This is my body and I'm going to take responsibility for healing it now and for doing the best that I can. 
if that's what you choose to do, which I would imagine anybody with a diagnosis like endometriosis would want to heal it, would want to heal it, would want to feel better and at least have some sort of relief to symptoms, especially if you want to grow a family, which is very prominent among women of sort of 30 around our age who are more interested in that. And that becomes that big goal, which is very interesting. I love this, Alyssa. This has been so wonderful. And I think so informative for so many women. And I do think some of the big takeaways for me is just how much of immune system lies in our gut and just how much healing that immune system react can, can actually heal the pain of endometriosis, which is just incredible. I love that. So I love the work that you're doing. For those that maybe have endo, maybe question it, maybe want to get to know you a little bit more, how can they find you? Yeah, well, you can find me on my website, which is www.wholewomanwellness.net. And you can actually find even right on that homepage, I've got a free endo reset course that you can just click a button and join. And that can kind of give you a nice little jump start into your, your healing journey. And you can also find me on Instagram at endobellygirl. Amazing. And we'll link all of these links into the show notes so people can click directly and find out. If you're somebody that experiences endo, if you have endo, please do reach out just because it is a condition that can sometimes feel like, as you said, a life sentence. And it's so difficult, the whole arrival of it and just the entire pain. And there's a lot that you can do. And I know that you can help people to advocate for themselves and actually feel better. I hope you found this useful and will be able to implement, if not all, at least some of the tips on your journey to healing. And please like, share and subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss another episode. And if anything has resonated with you, I always love to hear from you. So head to Instagram to dinara.mukh and send me a DM with some of your biggest takeaways or maybe further questions that you have to this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks. Hey.